Welcome to the United Basketball and Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Smith. We are proudly sponsored by my good friends at Dr. Dish. Contact Dr. Dish, mention this podcast, and receive an exclusive discount on their shooting machine. My hope is, as you listen to the podcast, you'll gain knowledge in X's and O's, leadership, and culture building. Now, let's grow the game together. I want to welcome Joe Dix of Collins Hill to the podcast. How you doing, Coach? Good, good. How we doing, Matt? Hey, I'm doing very well. And, you know, I've, I've met you a few times over the years. I've seen you at coaching clinics. And the, and the one thing people always talk about you is your defense. And you're known as a run and jump guy. And this is one of the podcasts where we want to d- take a deep dive and look as detailed as possible into the run and jump. Because I know a lot of coaches are interested in it. But they're always asking questions like, I'm not athletic enough. I don't have the depth. You know, what do I do? What do I need? So we, we want to dive into that. But before we get rolling into the details, what led you to the run and jump? And were you always a run and jump coach? Um, yeah. Uh, first of all, appreciate you having me. Um, the, the run and jump started, I was always, I played at University of North Georgia, and then I played at what was at the time DeKalb College. It's now Georgia Perimeter College, and they don't have basketball anymore. But uh, both of the coaches I played for there, Randolph Barksdale and Alfred Barney and then Randy Dunn at North Georgia were up-tempo coaches. My high school coach was an up-tempo coach and kind of pressed and played pressure D. And then I was fortunate enough to um, work under Seth Vining, um, who legendary coach in Northeast Georgia, won four state titles, and uh, both the boys and the girls. And uh, we were together, he and I. And we had had some good teams, and we were trying to take that next step uh, toward becoming a little bit better. And and um, I can remember it, and this is crazy. In 99, it's 1999, and we got beat in the state semifinals that year by Randolph Clay uh, High School. And uh, Randolph Clay had a young man at the time by the name of Donnell Harvey, who was the number one high school player in the country played at the University of Florida for Billy Donovan, first-round draft pick later on, and he was he was clearly the best player on the floor. We had a gr- really good team that year, uh, won 25 games, but his, the, his size was such a factor in the game that it really, it really created so many problems for us. Um, and then they had a really good guard. Now, this is the craziest part of the story. His name was – uh, Jeffrey Braswell, okay, and his brother Jerry played at Wake Forest. Jeff Jeff played at Georgia State, okay. Jeff scored 27 points on us that night. I remember it very clearly. Jeff's son is now on my team at oh, College nice. Hill. <laughs> yeah, uh, so we've come full circle. <laughs> you know, I kind of laugh about that. Um, and Coach and I was sitting there talking, and we decided, we said, what do we have to do to to take that next step because we had gotten to the final four on several occasions before that and had never been able to kind of get over the hump. And um, he and I, we both kind of agreed that we needed to play faster. We needed to play. Uh, our pressure needed to be a little bit more. We, we were doing a lot of zone pressing then. But we wanted to do a little bit more than that. And so the next year, we just decided we were going all in. Uh, we were going to try to play as fast as we could offensively, and 
defensively, we were going to go full court run and jump. And that became the base for everything we do. And that's, that's how it got started. That's, that was the origin of what we were. And that year, we went 26-2, and two, got back to the state title. We beat Randolph Clay in the semis that year. Wow. And wound up losing the state championship game to a really good Mitchell Baker team. But we felt like we had kind of gotten over the hump. And then, of course, the next year, we won our first state championship. And we won in 01. And that started a run. We won one in 01. Uh, had an Elite 18 young in 2002 and then won another one in 03. Got back to the state title game in 04. Wow. And then won one again in 05 and then got to the final four in 06 and then got back to the championship game in 07. So we we had a run of really, really good basketball teams and it was all based on that style of play. And that's that's how it kind of came to be. Um, yeah, you guys had a uh, about a decade long run there of going to the final four, Elite Eight, and how many championships did, were won in that won time? Three and finished wow. runner up three times. Yep. Wow, that's that's really impressive. I mean, that that's phenomenal. So when you say that the run and jump was the basis of everything that you did, when you decided to sell out to the run and jump, did, did that also affect what you did offensively to make sure you're playing really really fast? Yeah, yeah, we we decided. We, we made the three-point shot uh, a much larger part of what we were doing. Now, we didn't necessarily – we didn't really call ourselves a system team necessarily, but looking back on it, that's what we were. Right. Because we weren't very big, and everybody kind of had the green light, and we were trying to get up a lot of shots. Uh, one night we got going, and we, w- we were 25 of 51 from three-point range wow. one night playing. So, you know – they really kind of bought into what we what we were doing, and we obviously had some good players. It wasn't just all system, all what we were doing, but it was it was some really good players in that system. Um, but but that's what you know. I think that's what started it. And after that, we we played really fast and free. We ran a lot of secondary stuff back then. Of course, I'm still doing it now, but we're not running nearly the set stuff we were running then, more dribble drive, spread offense stuff now. So, But we're still playing fast, and we tell guys the first available good shot, we want it taken. Okay, yeah, no, no, that, that's good information about the offense for the listeners. So um, what are some common misconceptions or things that maybe coaches, when they hear the phrase run and jump, some things that maybe that are inaccurate that, that they believe maybe that you've heard coaches say over the years? Uh, one is that we're not playing defense. Yeah. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, they said, well, you're just letting them go. You're picking them up full court and they're going to burn you and get a layup and you're just trying to get them to go fast. And and maybe there's something to go. We certainly want them going fast, but we're not just, we're not surrendering layups Yeah. because, you know, um, we, we, we expect guys to rotate and, and help. And, you know, that's one of the things about Collins Hill. They really am part of it. You know, we drew, we drew 88 charges last year, broke our school record. And then this year, this past year, we broke that record and, and drew 90. Wow. So they really, uh, as a team and a program, embraced this is what we're going to do. And, um, you know, so the, I think that's probably the biggest misconception that we're not defending. Does a coach need to have superior athleticism? Obviously, really good athletes help us at every level. But can you run this with – average kids for lack of a better phrase yes um 
you know, that's probably a myth about when we were at East Hall was that we had, we marched out 10 or 12 athletes better than your athletes. Well, that didn't always happen. You know, sometimes we had kids who were, who were just average athletes. Mm-hmm. But what we did have was they, they, they understood a couple of things. Number one, the level of activity, how hard they had to play had to be high. And they had to be able to anticipate what was going to happen next to maybe make up for their lack of athleticism. So uh, that was that was that was probably the most important part of uh, playing those kids. Um, we we just we we didn't have we played them because they they showed us they could anticipate and they could play really really hard. In order to do this successfully, what type of depth do you think a coach needs? I don't think you can do it with less than eight, but I think you're pushing it if you're just trying to do it with eight. Okay. I, I would comfortably think you, you want 10 to 12 guys. Uh, that's how many I've played. I'm not comfortable playing five or six guys. Yeah. Um, I, I want to be able to play 10 to 12 guys. So the, the offset of that is early in the year, I am committed to playing those guys. So I'm going to play – I'm going to play a lot of kids early to make sure that everyone's accustomed and uh, got some level of comfort with being out there on the floor. Uh, but I would say no, no less than eight. I've seen it done really good with a well-conditioned team with eight, but preferably for me, 10 to 12. Yeah, eight could be tough, especially getting some, you know, those Friday, Saturday back-to-back games and right. you're play, playing that style. Did you ever do the uh, platoon style system of substituting? Yes, yes. We've, we've subbed five at a time, and then some years I didn't do that. Uh, it just kind of depends. Each team has its own makeup, own personality. Um, so uh, last year we didn't – we did a little bit of that uh, when we had great runs. You're going to end up doing it some because you'll have a run where your group is playing really well for a two- or three-minute stretch, and, and then you've got to get guys out of the game because they're tired from playing hard. Uh, but we had a couple of guys that we needed on the floor, maybe a little bit more just because of what they brought for us offensively. So there, there were times we, we didn't, we didn't sub five at a time. Okay. Let's talk about the setup of the run and jump. And do you press only on a made basket or dead ball, or do you sometimes press off a miss as well? Uh, pressing on a miss is, is an art form that each team has to figure out. I've had some teams that couldn't do it. My team last year couldn't do it, okay? And we were a good team. We had a good club, played in our region championship game, made the state tournament, but they could not press on misses. They were, they were going to give up a layup. For whatever reason, we just our, – our transition into that was just not very good, so we didn't do it. But then I've had teams where um, – usually it starts with the guards. If you've got a couple of guards who've got a tremendous feel for or when to get there and when to get back, you can do it. Um, and we've had some that could do that, and then we've had similar in my group last year that couldn't do it, and we just had to play straight man when we got in the half court. Well, let's let's just talk about after a, a made made basket. What is what's the alignment looking at? What are the matchups? Do you have specific terminology for the defensive positions? What's the base defense look like? All right, we on a score, we'll tell our guys 
<clears throat> we're not really worried about matchups. You don't have um, a man per se. You get the closest guy to you. Okay. And, um, you know, sometimes we will put a man on the ball. Um, and that's become, that's become a big thing for us. We never used to do that when in the two, early 2000s when we were pressing. And about 04, 05, we started to do that. And now it's kind of a staple of what we do is putting a man on the ball because sometimes we'll face guard you and make you throw over the top. And the man who's normally on the ball is kind of a center fielder. So we'll give guys different looks. Um, but here at Collins Hill, I have a little more length than maybe I had at East Hall. So we're doing a little bit more of that than we, than we have before. What player goes to the ball, the four, the five, you sp- which which guy do you put on the ball? Does, uh, it, it it varies. It varies. Okay. Yeah, it varies. Um, we used to number them and tell them well, one, two, three man or denying fives on the ball. Usually, it may end up being the five just out of most folks will have someone taking the ball out, a big taking the ball out. So sometimes it ends up being the four or the five. Okay, so it's a made basket. Let's say the, the their four is inbounding. You got the point guard on the right-hand side, another guard on the left. They're, the other big takes off down the floor. They have like a – and a guy's hanging out in the middle. They have like a, you know, one-two-one-one style press press break. How, how are you picking up? Are you hard denying sometimes? You leave it up to the player? And let's yeah, talk about a, the jumping, the run and jump responsibilities. Yeah, it's a call. Um, we'll, uh, sometimes we'll deny it. And then sometimes we'll let a guy receive it and we're looking for the opportunity to jump. Uh, what we tell our guys is, um, you want to stay below the ball. Okay. So we're not necessarily really denying after the ball comes in. A lot of the principles are the same as they would be in a half court man. Mm-hmm. You know, you're, you're cheating toward the ball. You're in help side. All of those things are the same. You can't lose sight of your man. A lot of the principles are still are the same as they would be in in your half court man. Okay, so the point guard receives the ball. I, I I'm 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 guarding straight up. Am I trying to force him sideline, force him middle? Yes. Or, or, yes. Okay. We, we want him. we want him to go down the sideline. Okay. Um, you know, the worst thing we can have is the ball end up going down the middle of the floor because that makes our, our jumps difficult. So when we're able to keep it on one side of the floor, it certainly helps us. Okay, so when does the def- the other defensive players know when to jump? What are, what are the guidelines? So we, we work on rotation every day, uh, and you know to jump when the guy starts dribbling towards you uh, on a rotation. A lot of this is the old Dean Smith principles of his running jump. Of course, he did it in the half court. He didn't really do a whole lot of full court, but it's still the same uh, principles. Guys dribbling towards you, you run and jump him, and the guy who's on the ball gets out and finds an open man. Uh, kind of a little scramble situation there. So it's it's a lot like the North Carolina principles that they used to run their run and jump. They still do it. Uh, yeah. Even this year, I know they didn't have a great year, but I saw them do some run and jump this year. So it's not a it's not a hard double. No, no, that's a call. If okay. we're doubling, it's because we've called it and decided we're gonna we're gonna double. Uh, and we do it. We do that sometimes. Right. But 
that's a, that's a call. Other than that, it's the straight, uh, pure run and jump. The point guard's dribbling towards me. I I run to jump. The rotation, the next closest guy takes my man and this was rotate around, and then the yes. guy who left the ball finds the guy furthest away. Right. We used to we used to give the guys a string. We used to give them string, and and we allowed it to pull you. So the guy who's rotating for the jump pulls the next guy in the rotation, and every th- everybody uh, revolves on that string. We don't do the string thing anymore, but there was a time when we would do that. So the kids had a clear understanding of how we wanted them to rotate. When is the run and jump off? Past half court? When, when do we fall back into our half court man? And, do we, and can we get more than a couple of jumps on the ball? Yeah, well, our goal is to get two to three jumps in a, in a possession. Um, we, there's times when we'll continue it, even in the half court. But once again, that's a call. And uh, we, we don't always do that. Um, but um, the kids kind of get a feel for it. In the quarter court is probably when we, we kind of make the decision that we're, gonna, um, we're not going to um, jump anymore. But, but like I said, there, there are times when we'll, we'll continue to run and jump through the entire possession. So the point guard, let's say the point guard reverses the ball back to the inbounder. Am I am I allowing that to take place? Yes, yes, yeah. You don't stay below the ball. If he and then we're looking. If he puts back. on, if he puts on the floor, we're going to jump. Right, right. But if they just make three or four passes, there's no jump. There's no jump. Yeah. And okay. We tell our guys to be disciplined with that uh, because the the natural inclination is just run toward the ball. Okay, and and that that's how you get in trouble. Okay. There's a couple of threes we want to stay away from, and we kind of got this part of it we got from Shaka Smart, and we kind of modified it for us. He called them terrible threes, and the terrible threes are three behind the ball and for us three on the ball. Yeah. Okay, so anytime we we have a terrible three, and they know that chances are we're about to give up a layup. So Now, in the run jump, are you trying to – forced a lot of turnovers or are you just trying to force a fast pace of play and a quick shot or um, a little bit of both a little bit of both a little bit of both uh this past year we were we were pretty good at it we averaged creating about 24 and a half turnovers a game oh nice and um like i said we drew 90 charges and and we uh they got to the point where they really kind of understood and really bought into what we were doing so uh they want to steal it you know, no question about that. We had nearly 400 steals this year, but um, it's it's a little bit of both. Uh, you know, you're not going to steal it all the time, particularly as the year goes on and people get accustomed to playing against your pressure. The more they play against you, the more disciplined you're going to have to be in what you do. I respect my friends at Dr. Dish as much as anyone in the game. Thankfully, they've come on board to sponsor our podcast and offer our listeners an exclusive Dr. Dish discount when you mention this podcast. What makes the Dr. Dish so unique? First, it's the best and most user-friendly shooting machine on the market, period. Second, your players can use custom training workouts and receive real-time feedback as they train. And if you have one of those other shooting machines sitting in the corner collecting dust, you can trade it in for up to a $1,500 discount on a new Dr. Dish. Yes, $1,500 off a new Dr. Dish. Remember, mention this podcast and take advantage of your discount today. (music) 
what if the point guard receives the inbounds and just blows by your man? I mean, he just what what is the rule? Does he sprint behind him trying to poke it away? Is another guy yeah, jumping we're looking up? For, we're looking for back that, tip opportunities, and then we tell him, um, let's look for it. Once again, here's a situation where you can anticipate where's the next pass more than likely going. Yeah. Okay. And so run to that pass. So if you can't get a back tip, you run to that next pass. And that's where we get a lot of our steals from guys behind the ball who they've forgotten about. And, and those guys are still playing hard and still uh, putting themselves into the play. Is it difficult to get the players to be, dis- be disciplined on defense, go for steals, but not completely, you know, you're trying to take yourself out of position, going for steals that are really risky, and then you get beat? Was that, is that a battle, especially taking over a new program, to understand, yes, we want to get steals, but yes, we want to be disciplined at the same time? Yes, yes. You, and we tell the guys, no traitors, no lunging, okay? Um, but that's that was probably the biggest thing we dealt with. Uh, that was even bigger than the drawing charges. Uh, you know, we for the most part, with the exception of maybe one or two of our guys, we had guys who bought into drawing charges. But the rotation and being disciplined in their rotation was probably the one thing that has taken us a while to get. And um, like I said, we, we started to really get good at it this year. Um, I want to back up and something I, I thought about earlier. What are your offensive rebounding responsibilities and how does that complement the defense? Um, well, we tell our guys, oh, you know, you know, you hear people yell, follow your shot. Well, we don't we don't teach that necessarily yeah. anymore. You know, you're shooting a three at the top of the key. We're not telling that guy to follow his shot. We want him to stay in his shot and shoot it, but uh, we also want him to get back, okay? He knows anybody who shoots a three, free throw line extended or above, that's automatic that they're getting back. So okay? the shooter is always the safety. Well, above the free throw line, three-pointer right. is always going to be. So what about if it's a baseline three? Is the guy if top it's a the baseline key? three, who is that? Whoever's up top highest is the guy that gets back even if it's a big how far are they getting back just to the circle half court or are they going all the way I mean, i've known some coaches i want them at the free throw line on the other end okay because we i mean really it it cost us this year uh transition defense and those things those are the kind of things that get you in this this can, it can be demoralizing when you're in a situation where you're you've had a good possession and you shoot a good shot and you just happen to miss it yeah. And then you got a guy standing and watching above the three-point line and someone throws over his head. And, and there were a couple of situations where that cost us in crucial moments during our season. So we're going to put an emphasis on it. Um, I'm even experimenting with the possibility of having designated guys. We don't, we don't have a numbering system anymore offensively, so we don't have a one, two, three, four, five anymore. But I'm, I'm thinking about – kind of devise some type of situation where guys know they're automatically back because we don't want to give up any. Yeah. any last year, yeah, that's a good idea if it fits your personnel. Last year was the first year I'd done that because different years I've had, right, the guy top of the key, the shooter. But last year, the three got back. Didn't matter where you were. Obviously, they went downhill. That was different. But right. if that shot goes up, That I better the three better never get an offensive rebound. Right. Get, he, he was get back into the circle, and then we would adapt to whatever defense um, we were in. Let's talk about 
a team that, you know, they, they've played you a couple times, they know your style, they are constantly clearing out? Um, well, we're going to um, – a couple of things we can do. Uh, we may go zone press against them. We may show them some one two one one or something along that line. We do still zone press some. Okay. Uh, so that's that's one thing we, we look to do. And then all, we start – we even in the running jump, even if there's a clear out, we're still – looking for the opportunity to jump. We, we still want pressure on the ball. And, you know, if you got the inbound guy, you know, you may be the guy that ends up uh, looking for that opportunity to jump early. Right. So we'll, we've got some things that we'll kind of throw at you to maybe try to try to give, get, a, get you in a situation where maybe you're sped up or, or we, we still getting jumps. But we see – those are the things we see a lot of. We see people trying to go long and we see people trying to clear out. And if your guy doesn't get back to going longs, what's, what's going to get you what you talked about just a few minutes ago? Right. And the other thing about it, too, is, you know, if you have one guard who's up there, you know, that's difficult on one guy at the tempo we're playing to be able to do that over and over again for an entire game. So part of that is just the residual effects of it. You know, you, you know, if you're gonna you're gonna do that, that's fine. But we're gonna stay up there and pressure you and, and continue to get after you, and uh, and and we'll hope that it also takes a toll on you over the course of a game, having to make that type of play every time you get the ball. Do you see some games where the first half you don't really get much out of it, but then they get tired? Maybe their better kids get in foul trouble, and you're playing nine or ten players, and then that late third and that fourth quarter is where the defense try, probably comes alive for you. Yeah, and that's and we that's what we tell our guys. We want we want to try to seek out the other team's breaking point. Yeah, you know, how far do you have to go to to find that? And sometimes it's 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 first half. But a lot of times it is the third and fourth quarter when those guys are tired because they've been dealing with that consistently for 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 an entire game. So, you know, when you're playing six or seven guys and we're playing 10 or 12 and trying to keep them fresh, we hope that those numbers uh, give us an opportunity to, uh, to, to uh, win. Are there any other alignments that you see often that may be difficult to run this defense against that – other than the clear out? Uh, you got to be disciplined when they're in a 1-4 uh, because if you're not, you, you can get beat long. So we, 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 we spend a lot of time working on that so guys understand what, what they're looking for when they go 1-4 across the free throw line. Uh, do you switch, see a lot of that. Do you switch all screens in that circumstance uh, if it's yes. a dead ball yes. inbounds? Okay. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, – but that that would probably be the one that kind of sticks out at me as far as, you know, we got to make sure we're we're aware of what's happening right there. What about the balls being inbounded at half court? Or are we're trying to get them thrown in the back court? We're, we're oh yeah, it? yeah. We and we talk about that. We're not surrendering the sideline. Okay. So we're gonna deny if you throw it in on the side. We tell our guys, let's get over there and really work hard to deny and make the inbounds pass difficult. And you'll be shocked at how many steals you get. And guys taking it out on the inbounds on the side because they're just not they're just not accustomed to folks really working to deny that the inbounds pass. And we're we're trying to deny it everywhere. Now if you obviously I want you to go back to get it more so than forward, but we're we're working hard to try to 
create a problem on that inbound pass. No, that's good. And a lot of times the inbounder is not one of your better passers. It's not your one, right. two, or your three many times. It's it's a big who can panic under the under that pressure. Yeah. All right, let's let's look at uh, let's say a coach is listening. They've never done this before. They want they're interested in it. How do how do you start the install process? Uh, we the, we do we've got a series of drills. We do two on two, three on three, and four on four that we work on every day. We do them every day um, that we're working on the press. Um, and and all they're doing, all we're doing is working on rotating and and and, and creating a jump situation. So um, so that's that's how we do it. Are those live drills where the defense is yeah, going after are, it live? They are live. They're live drills. Um, and and we, like I said, we'll two on two, three on three, four on four. It's kind of difficult to explain. You know, if someone wanted to come watch us do them one day, that'd be great. You're welcome to. Um, is the two on two include the inbounder? Is that the no, one? No, no, no. Okay. It's, it's, it's just they're just parallel down on the baseline and we work on Okay. The footwork on the running jump. So, and and do you just call that getting in the gap, the off-ball player? Yeah, we talk. We 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 use the term cheat to the ball. Yeah, okay, it's the same same yeah. thing. You know? Do you want them like a dead center split, or do you want them a little closer to the ball? Uh no, I, I'm I'm okay with I'm okay with a dead center split there, as long as they can rotate to get to the jump if the guy goes. Yeah. Because if that guy attacks middle, they're the jumper. Right, right. When we go three on three, we know there's going to be a jump one way or another. We're three guys along the baseline. There's going to be a jump one way or another. So so two on two, there may not be a jump. If he forces them down a sideline, then we just play it to half court. But three on three, we know there's going to be a jump on one side or the other. Well, let's look at that scenario in a game. So let's say the the inbounder and the point guard are kind of parallel with each other. The point guard is trying to dribble to the middle. So I'm going – I was going to the inbounder. I'm going to jump that. Right. You're going to jump that. What's the rotation? The, the ball is rotating out. Now, that's what we call a parallel jump. So you all are to each other. So on a parallel jump, there's a jump switch. So the guy who jumps, the guy who just was on the ball gets out and finds that open man that was parallel to him. Do you find that you get a lot of fingertips on those passes and pick that one off a little bit? We do. We yeah. do. Um, um, we, we obviously, like most pressing teams, we chart our deflections. And, um, you know, people have goals for theirs. We don't. I don't necessarily have a goal. Uh, we averaged about 17 a game last year at deflections. So, okay. Uh, yeah, that's that's kind of uh, kind of the number we're looking for, anywhere between fifteen and twenty. So, I, so in practice, I've got my two on two, my three on three, my four on four. What's the alignment on the four on four? Are we all across the baseline? No, no, we're 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 four corners. Okay. So we got two guys down on the baseline. We got two guys at half court. Okay. We're and we're guarding those guys and just working on the rotations. Are those uh, guys allowed to move at all? Yes, they are. They're allowed to go down the floor and that kind of thing. But, yeah, we're just working on the rotations four on four. What are – when I come to jump the ball, which is I'm going to absorb and he'll be my man, right? Mm -hmm. What? How do you want me to come at him? Do you want me to I mean, come like in a 
sprint him, come in and chop my feet, high hands. Yeah, we go active, active feet and high hands, looking for deflections. And uh, our rule is the ball goes up, my hands go up. So mm-hmm. we see a guy raise up to throw the ball, our hands go high, either looking for a deflection or more than that, forcing the ball to be thrown higher. So it's giving the rotation guys down the floor a uh, longer time to get to the next rotation. Yeah, and then you get some guys who can like be kind of defensive backs out there picking off those long, high, lazy passes at times. Yeah, and we and we and we uh, we were fortunate. We we had a couple of football guys who were yeah. really good at that, um, and uh, they they did a great job of. Uh, a lot of it is like a football situation, you know. Mm-hmm. That pass is, is made, and they're anticipating and looking to steal, pick it off right there, down the floor. So is that is that your so every day two on two three on three four on four and then you get to the five on five where both teams yeah, are just yeah, running jumping we'll, against we'll, each yeah and what we'll do with that is we'll when we go to five on five we do it we do the five on five stuff out of everything okay like we'll do it we'll do a live shell and then you get a rebound you go down and push and you score you get into it press uh, we'll do it like that we'll do it off of made free throws working on shooting free throws. We'll do it off of our rebounding drill. We we incorporate the press into a lot of the different drills, a lot of the stuff we're working on in practice. So it's so it's easy. Every kid knows your identity. Yeah. Someone grabs a Collins Hill kid or East Hall, hey, what is we're running jumping. Everything else just fits up under that. Yeah, they know. They know um that's who we are. Um we put it on shirts, you know, we gave it a name. We called it 32 Minutes of Organized Chaos, and we had a hashtag for it, 32OC. And um, and this year we uh, created the one we created. We had shirts that say Press Hill. That's what we warmed up in every game, you know. So our, our guys know that's who we are. That's what we're going to do. There's no question about it. Our opponents know it as well. And, um, you know, we, we decided a long time ago that's what we were going to commit to. So we don't, we don't turn back on that. What do do teams try to slow it down in the half court once they if they beat the press do they ever try to get the ball and um, really slow it down? I saw that more at East Hall than I did here in Collins Hill, uh, but yeah, yeah, we 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 saw instances where folks when we were playing at East Hall would try to try to slow us down, but it, at Collins Hill the players we play against are really good. A lot of them are 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 college players so you know we're we we haven't seen i haven't seen much trying to slow us down they just go and try to make a play and you yeah. got to defend it so. so whenever we go to the shot clock in a year or two in georgia like teams aren't slowing it down against you anyway so it's not really going to change a lot of how you play or what you see no no not no i mean it, it really isn't I, I i've i've actually taken a stopwatch and watched some of our games and kind of use the stopwatch just as a just trying to see what what the tempo of our games looks like, and and there there hadn't been much difference. There wouldn't have been many violations for either team in our games that we played last year. You you mentioned the parallel jump a minute ago. Are there any other names you have for other jumping situations? We got a parallel and vertical. The vertical just jumps those are the two, ones yeah. Down the floor, yeah. Somebody's dribbling at you. That's a vertical jump. So, so those are the two we teach. We talked about the point, the point guard gets blown by. Well, what about in that 
jump situation. The guy comes on maybe at a, a poor angle or goes for a, some type of fake, or you know, he jumps, literally jumps in the air, and he gets right. blown by. He's running, trying to poke away, poke away. The other guy rotated to his man. Um, who steps over to stop that penetration? You know, he if he's five or six feet behind him, and they're you know past half court, heading you know to get downhill. Well, we're telling those guys, and they know a quick way to come out of the game is for them not to make an effort behind the ball. So. They're they're uh they're busting it to get there, but those guys have got to communicate down the floor. So it may not be a certain person; it may just be this guy or that guy, just depending on how quickly the ball's coming. Sometimes the first guy who can get to it has to react to it. And then your rim protector is just a guy who's closest to the paint on that yeah. on that weak yeah. side. And do you reward charges a certain way? I mean, I mean, obviously you have to celebrate that for kids yeah. to do it that often. Um, because you're averaging about four a game. Right. We uh, One thing we did was, uh, first of all, if you don't draw them, we're going to take you out of the game. Okay. Yeah, you know, that, and kids respond, at least the kids we're coaching, respond to playing time. And if they don't want to come out of the game yeah. because they didn't draw a charge. So that's the first thing. Second thing is we teach it. We teach them how to draw one. We teach them how to fall. Uh, we got a couple of guys in our – practices, a couple of coaches who make full contact with guys. And so we run them over ourselves yeah. and they know I'm going to run them over and they don't want the fat guy running them over, <laughs> you know? So, uh, so that's another thing. And the other thing we do is uh, in our locker room and we stole this as a lot of ideas are stolen. Uh, but we got this from Wofford. Uh, they have a charge wall. So we have a charge wall. And what I did is I, I take a picture on film of every kid drawing a charge and I write his name on it. And I, um, I, I actually, uh, write it, the date on it and I post that in the locker room. So they, we've got a wall and all it is, is every picture from every charge that we drew this year. And, and they love that. Yeah. You know, that, that's a big deal. And you can get, you can get made fun of in our locker room for not having your picture up there. And you start that wall, and then that year's over, you take the pictures down and start fresh? Yes, yeah. The They're still season. up now. They're going to be up until until we start practicing again. But, yeah. They're, so, every day they – obviously, they aren't going in there right now. We're on quarantine. But when they go in there normally, they're going to see – that's the first thing they're going to see yeah. is that charge wall. It's there every day. Oh, that's good. I like that. Any other things that you do that you feel like are foundational at practice or uh, philosophy-wise for coaches who might think, man, I kind of want to dive into – and, and I'll put your contact information in the show notes. People can reach okay. out to you through email or on Twitter. But, um, you know, any, anything else that you feel like is important? Um, I, think, I think the biggest thing is coaches have to let go. You know, you're not going to control – everything that happens. That's hard for a lot of coaches. You know, yeah, it is. <laughs> it and is. They gotta, your, your offense is going to have to match this defense. You know, it, it is not, it's going to be very hard for you to play this fast defensively and then offensively turn around and start and really try to control yeah. the, and set everything up. Sometimes it has to be these kids playing off of, of off of their instincts. So, for me, that's the biggest thing. It's just practice letting go. You know, sometimes you come in our gym and it is 
it's it's chaos. It ain't organized. It's just chaos, you know. Yeah. And and we and I sometimes I just let it go. You yeah. Know? And, well, I would think a team like yours, as you go throughout the season, you can definitely see that that string of two or three games where they they get it. Right. You know, like this was the score to our first two games this year. 96-60, we lost. 108-62. We got beat 46 and 30-something in our first two games this year. And that's when that a lot was, of coaches would throw in the towel. Yeah, they, they'd say, okay, well, we're, we're, we're not doing that. But, no, that, you know, that's not what we're going to do. We're, we, we knew it was going to be a process. We, we, we were missing a couple of our football guys who were key to what we do. So we allowed them to kind of get their uh, get their feet under them a little bit, and and we went from that to, you know, a couple of weeks later we we're beating Columbia, who was a lead eight team in uh mm-hmm. in five A, and we won eleven in a row at one time. So, you know, we're once again we we kind of have that burn the boats mentality. We're not looking back. We're not going back. We're we're gonna. This is what we're gonna do, and we're gonna keep getting better at it. Has the run and jump changed at all for you over the years? Have you morphed it and adapted things and grown yeah. within it, or is it? Yeah, a lot of the base is still the same, but you know we we've, we've got some different stuff we do. Uh, a lot of stuff on the ball. Um, we 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 kind of invert sometimes, put a ball on the person and deny. Uh, we kind of got that from uh, West Virginia, and I'm always I'm a junkie, so I'm always watching different pressing teams. I watch a lot of, obviously, West Virginia stuff. I watch the old Loyola Marymount, uh, Paul Westhead stuff. Uh, Shaka Smart, when he was at VCU, uh, his team's there. Um, you know, those are some of the teams that we watch, um, just what they do and, and how they do it. And uh, so we picked up a few wrinkles over the year, over the, over the last few years. Do you make all the calls or do you allow the, the give the players a, freedom to make a call on to mix it up on another on the on the point guard yeah i do uh sometimes if i feel like there's something i want to see i'll let them know but then sometimes i'll just tell one of our seniors or one of our older guys you call it yeah and then and, and, and this allow them to kind of have a freedom we'll do that in practice as well because i want to see if they can understand the personnel that they've got on their team because you know we don't practice first team second team that kind of thing everybody's in every drill with every player. So, you know, so it's not like he's only, they're only going to be working out as a, our starting five is only going to be working out together. Right. They're going to be playing every, with each other. So I give them an opportunity to kind of tell what their personnel, what their personnel would probably do well and see if they can handle that. So you would say most of your drills are live. Yes. Yeah. Most of our drills are live. Um, a lot of them are quick drills, four or five minutes here or there, um, just because I want them to get accustomed to playing hard for – because that's what I want. I want them to play hard for two or three minutes, and then we're going to let you rest. Yeah. And, you know, and there, and there were people who say, well, you know, that won't work because your kids won't get recruited. Well, that's not true. We've, I've coached 60 college basketball players, you know, from every level, SEC and ACC on down. So. Uh, so it, it hasn't hurt the kids that are being recruited yeah. from our schools. and Yeah, college you know. coaches are smart enough to know. It's not about the minutes you play. They recognize style of play. They recognize all those types of things, you know. Right. 
people make excuses a lot of times for why they won't do something. It's about the kid being recruited. If your kid's a high level kid, he's going to get, he's going to get recruited. Yeah. And we, we had, we had, we had a couple of college players this year and we'll, this coming year, we've got a couple more. Um, and you know, they're going to, people are recruiting them and they, they love their, the way they play. So. Absolutely. Well, coach, Thanks a lot for coming on. Is there anything uh, I missed or anything you want to add at the end here? Uh, yeah, just um, like I said, just be willing to let go a little. You're going to have to to really to really do this, and you got to be all in. You know, that's the other thing I say. If if you just want to press after a free throw or something like that, that's cool. You know, if that's you know you want to show one two one one after a free throw or whatever it may be, that's fine. But if you want to be a pressing team and you want to build a pressing program, then like I said, you've got to burn, got to have that burn the boat mentality. Yeah. And you know, you got anybody's welcome to come watch us anytime. Uh, once we start practicing uh, the pandemic, um, hopefully we'll, we'll get an opportunity to have a season, but absolutely. You know, we're, we're absolutely welcome. You're welcome to come see us anytime. Uh, we're in, uh, we're in Gwinnett County. Um, on the north side of Atlanta, um, we're in Swanee. It's uh, one of the last exits on uh, 85 as you kind of get outside of uh, Spaghetti Junction right there. Well, again, thanks a lot for sharing your time with us. I know that the run and jump is something people are requesting we talk about, and I'll post all your contact info. But uh, we look forward to following you guys, and I'll do my best to come over and watch you practice myself. Okay, love to have you, man. You do a great job with clinics and all of this, man. You you do a wonderful job uh, representing the coaches here in the state of Georgia. We appreciate it. Well, I, I try to and be a good uh, ambassador for our great state because it's a great state for basketball. Yeah. Um, I want to say this, too. Um, we have started a new organization here in the state, uh, the Georgia Basketball Coaches Association, um, and it's going to fall under the umbrella of the Georgia Athletic Coaches Association. And we are wanting to um, to have a voice within the state as far as the decisions that are made that particularly affect basketball. So we've started that as our coaches association. Um, so um, if you're interested in membership, we want everybody, everybody's eligible to be a member, coaches at all levels, middle school, high school, assistants, head coaches, uh, please email myself or Alan Whitehart at um, Milton or uh, Jesse McMillan over at Norcross um, and or Gene Durden at uh, Buford. Uh, mm-hmm. And we're, we're getting it off the ground. Um, and we're, we're, we're still kind of in the, in the phase of work, putting everything together. It's going to involve, we're going to get involved in our state all-star game, which I'm, I'm the state chairman for. And, and we're, 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 we want to build this thing into something great. So our, our state has great basketball at all levels. Yeah. And we're going to try to nurture that. Absolutely. Well, I'll definitely put all, that, put all that out there. And anything I can do to help spread the word, please let me know because I definitely want to help, help out be involved any way I can. But, well, thanks a lot, Coach. And uh, enjoy the start of the school year. And uh, we look forward to following you and your team. All right. Thank you, Matt. Yes, sir. Thank all you. Right. Thanks for listening to the United Basketball and Leadership Podcast. Please take a moment to leave us a review and also leave a comment about what you enjoyed most about today's guest. You may also use the hashtag UnitedPodcast to tweet out any tips that you learned from today's guest. 
I hope you'll join us on our next episode.